Recovery Radio, where we discuss substance abuse treatment and recovery. You can listen live at blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Please note that the views and opinions of our hosts and guests are not necessarily the views of OCG, nor is it meant to replace professional advice or the advice of your physician. And now, here's our show, Roach on Recovery, with your host, This just in, Tony Romo has showed up to training camp fat, fat and out of shape, soft and fluffy. No good. No good for the boys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, but it does feel good to have training camp in full flight. Uh, I know I kind of asked you before the show, but you might as well let the viewers know. You're not into the uh, actual tuning in of the training camp. Huh? You just want to make sure there are no uh, Achilles tears or blown out knees. Yeah, I don't uh, follow it 24-7 um, up until the preseason games start. And so... But if I'm, I'm bored, I'll, you know, I'll go back in time. <laughs> Uh, well, then, if you do follow – now, when you say preseason games, are you the type of fan that if there's a game on, you're watching it, or only uh, Cowboys preseason games if you can catch them? No, I'll watch, I'll watch other games. So, like, the the first game that gets all football fans going, the Hall of Fame game, which is always the first preseason game mm-hmm. this Sunday, mm-hmm. you're on. You're watching it. 5 p.m. sharp. I might DVR it and watch it at yeah. my own uh, pleasure. <laughs> which, <laughs> by the way, folks – for those of you who don't know, and, and this man will DVR every live game. And I had maybe the first year we started chatting football, I would I watched live. So I'm sending the guy text up. Oh, did you <laughs> did you see that game changing play? And he I learned real quick. Uh, you need to refrain from se- sending me such texts because I don't watch live. And um, I'm trying to break him of that, but it may be a forever thing where where he will DVR a game as everyone is watching it and then watch it at his own leisure. Fast forward the commercials, all the ads he doesn't want to see. Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, exciting, exciting stuff. Plus, I may have other obligations during that time. 
Okay. Yeah. Remember, the games out here are on at 10 o'clock in the morning. True. And 1 o'clock in the afternoon back east. 1 o'clock in the afternoon. 1 and 4. Yeah. If you remember the story when I first came out to California and was getting ready for that Monday night football game, had everything lined up on the couch and everything (laughs) ready to go at 9 o'clock. Yeah. And the game was over. (laughs) The game was over. All about the time difference. That's got to be rough on people, though, out on the East Coast. You think about, wow, so... I, yeah, I don't know they're how They're getting to bed we, at midnight. I don't, yeah, I don't know how we... Uh, I mean, of course, we, we, we didn't... You don't know any better, so yeah, the games manage, come yeah. on late, and you just watch them. You know what I mean? So, yeah. But it is an advantage out here, the games coming on early, because, you know, you watch the games, and you can still get on with stuff for the rest of the day. You know, right. Your day's not... When after the four o'clock right. game is over, it's already seven eight o'clock at night. That's it, right? So there you have it. Well, it's exciting times, nonetheless. Well, so far, just to close out our NFL update, there's been no major injuries to report so far. Yeah, across the NFL, as far as I know. Yeah, no, I haven't heard of anything. Um, Anything, yeah, like outstanding, like a key player from any team who all of a sudden, oh, they're going to miss the entire season. Mm-hmm. Um, not yet. Knock on wood. That is, you know, that is to come, unfortunately, for some team out there. All right. Well, this is Roach on Recovery, so we are going to get into our topic. All right. Well, if we must. May get a little bit heated. Well, that's good. So I got the AC turned up a little bit. That's good. That's or turn it down, whichever one you want to use thermostat <clears throat> i won't lie even as your co-host and engineer and call screener and all the other hats i wear when i see a topic like this i get a little it's selfish but i get a little excited myself because i hope to uh learn something when uh when you speak on what we're going to share with the people today well every now and then um in our travels throughout our own program sometimes Something happens that, you know, just blows you away. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, of course, now I'm, I'm, you're in the mindset of uh, when, 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 when we engage in certain experiences, we're thinking about, hey, wow, that, that could be a good show topic. Let's write it down. That's right. You know, for future reference. And sometimes, depending on what it is, when I say, oh, you know what? Let's do that one next. And this is one of those, let's do that one next. Show it's topics. pressing. It's urgent. So how can I uh, start this to give a backdrop? We've been experiencing difficulty with our population struggles mm-hmm. with our population and are in the and I think we just finished uh, uh, moving people around trying to get them back into focus that's right let's phrase it that way and I took it upon myself and I haven't done this in years to meet with Five clients who were a part of the uh, the movement group um, to uh, 
pretty much uh, tell them that there was going to be a new day in OCG. Sure. Effective immediately. Sure. And their behavior in one of our facilities was just, uh, as my grandmother would say, was just out of order. <laughs> out of well order. Well said. Okay. And I just had to uh, speak to him about it. So I met with them, and uh, I had a witness. I always get a witness. Had our intake director sit in. And during the course of that, one of the persons said something that I can only count maybe on one hand, uh, a resident saying something to, to me personally that was so blasphemous <laughs> in terms of recovery that I was for a moment, just a moment, speechless before my senses reformulated and I was able to then get my bearings back and respond. It knocked you completely off the track there for yes, a second. I was, I was, I was dazed and confused at the blasphemy of the comment or question or statement. So I wrote it out in our topic, um, in our topic detail and I wanted to frame it in the context of we the people, i.e. we the family. In the TC, everything is about the family. Mm -hmm. The family is the beginning, the middle, and the end. It's just, it's all about the family. Mm -hmm. And our job is to make the family do its job. And what I try and teach the family is that we are no different when you think about it and gets down to the nuts and bolts than a, a regular blood family. Yeah. All the same things that go, by the way, I, I, I have not met a quote unquote functional family. Every family I know is dysfunctional in some, oh, way, shape, some, level, some yeah. way, shape or form. Right. right. <clears throat> I mean, even my own, me, my wife, my two girls and now two grandsons were dysfunctional. Okay. It happens on mean, some level. But yeah, but it doesn't mean that you're dysfunctional to the point that you're that that it's unhealthy. That it's unhealthy. Right. Okay. There's a that's a very good way of putting it. There's a healthy level of dysfunction. Yeah. Okay. And same applies in the TC that the family is going to have dysfunction just by its very nature because everyone walking in is dysfunctional. So you're putting all this these these dysfunctional people into this whole pot. Right. Okay. And what we're hoping for is that the dysfunction shows itself and comes out so that we can speak to it and the family can address it and the peers can get on them and, yeah, try and, and curb it and shape and it and start to that, that process of changing behavior. So as I was telling these five persons that there's going to be a new day, I am personally not tolerating the behaviors that they exhibited previously in the other facility anymore. And my expectation from them is that they were going to set a new example in their new location. Otherwise, I was going to be bouncing them out, Good. which I rarely, rarely ever, 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 ever say to a client. No, and in fact, folks, and I'll, with protecting the confidentialities of the work environment, I can attest to what the man is saying 
In fact, there have been many a battle, myself included, where we've wanted that to be the case, and that's been shut down on more than one occasion. Mm-hmm. We're not in the business of kicking people out. We're in the business of helping people, and the one point that he brings up time and time again is uh, we can't say to the outside world, hey, we're prepared to deal with people who behave like A, B, and C. And then when those people come and behave like A, B, and C, we say, they got we to can't go. deal with it. They got to go. <laughs> right. So, no, he, he never pulls that card out. So, interesting to hear that you even did that, yep. but yep. continue. Um, and the reason I did that is because uh, not all of them, but um, at the root of why I wanted to meet with them face-to-face was, to me, them via committing a felony – Against the TC, Mm. violating the sanctity Mm. of the therapeutic environment, which is bringing drugs into the facility. Right. Okay. I said that I'm going to have zero tolerance on effective immediately. So as I'm explaining this to them and uh, questioning them, getting appropriate answers, okay, Appropriate body language. I'm, I'm getting good feedback in all areas that I want to see. Okay? okay. Good eye contact, etc. And then one blurts out. This is the derailing moment. This is the, <laughs> the there's a two part derailing moment. All right. Okay. One blurts out. First, he says, why do you have uh, what sense does it make to have other addicts telling other addicts what to do right in the program why doesn't staff do it okay okay so many people have thought this by the way right. you wouldn't be the first to right. have thought this right so when after he finished making that double statement is when i was you know, that's the blasphemy right there because it right. goes against everything that the TC is about. Right. Okay. Um, and our intake director, Peck, was, was, was next to me, and I, and I saw him shift in his, his seat. I shifted in my seat <laughs> because we just couldn't believe that we, that we heard what we heard, that this is sure. what this guy was saying. We then immediately realized what we were dealing with. We were dealing with a lawyer, an intellectualizer, <laughs> yep. uh, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? Yes, indeed. All those code words. And this person said about arguing his point, and we let him set himself up, set the trap. He accused of us of knowing about drugs being in the facility and not doing anything about it. He said, um, it's our fault why he relapsed, because if we did not put him into an environment where there would be other addicts who were not interested yet, in quotations, in getting their lives together, um, then he would have never used Uh, (laughs) himself. I said, keep going. I wanted to hear more. Yeah, please. Uh-huh. And if staff would have acted on 
the information that they were aware of in a prompt manner, then it would have never got to the point where he would have been presented with the opportunity in the facility where he would go in his room and see someone doing something they shouldn't have been doing and him making the decision to partake of himself, you know, mm-hmm. partake of it himself. Right. So I asked him, let me get this straight. What you're saying is, is that staff you're, first, you're accusing staff of knowing about drugs being in the facility and doing nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, okay. I said, what purpose would that serve in terms of us being a program? I said, everyone that works here has been here for years. So there's not like there's a new person that, you know. Yeah. We might, might get kicks out of it. Exactly. So <laughs> everyone has a vested interest in the success of the program. Right. Okay. I said, so what purpose would that serve if that was the truth? He says, well, I don't know. In my eyes, they, uh, you know, they, they, they should have known. So, okay. I was once uh, staff on duty over a facility at 250 clients working the weekends by myself. If someone brought drugs onto that property, I would never know about it unless the family Mm. spoke up and Mm -hmm. said something. Right. See, what you had going on over there, which you were part and parcel to, was people knowing about people sneaking drugs in. And instead of saying something, confronting them, making staff aware, et cetera. That's right. They decided, whoa, what you got there? <laughs> Let me get some of that. Right, right. Okay, et cetera. I said, we are not a correctional institution. Because he wanted to know, well, why, you know, why aren't we flipping beds and bubble? You mean flipping cells? Right. Is that what you meant to say? Right. I said, I'm sorry. We're not, we're not the California State Department of Corrections. Mm-hmm. We are a drug treatment facility, and if we have reason to believe that someone has contraband hidden in their rooms, we'll go in there and search. Mm-hmm. We're not going to flip it like we're correctional officers, but we'll search the room. But we certainly aren't going to be flipping rooms left, right, and center for the sake of just what have you. Right, yeah. It's not our job to do that. What do you mean it's not your job? No, it's not our job. It's your job. It's a family's job. Mm-hmm. That's the premise of this program, and that's what it's been for over 50 years. It's the premise of the TC. Exactly. He says, well, I don't see how you can rely on other addicts responsible for that. I said, well, it's funny because I, I started looking at the calendar. <laughs> I kind of lost my, uh, my, my calendar thought. I said, wait a second. What year is this? 2016. I said, okay, it's been about 53 years. I think it's 53, right? It's from 1963? Yeah, 53. Yeah. I'm 52. Right, okay. I was born in 64. So it's been about 53 years that that's the way it's been. Mm-hmm. And it's been very successful. I said, and that's the premise of the TC, and we're not changing it. Right. And by the way, 
the reason why you decided to partake had nothing to do with because staff knew that drugs were on the property or that because you were placed into an environment where it would present itself to you. Exactly. So I had four months clean. I said, if you had four months under your belt, that should have been enough time for you to establish some level of a commitment where you would say, wait a second, that's not appropriate here in, in my house. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you go and say something to staff when you walked into your room and you saw your roommate doing something that they shouldn't have been doing? Well, I wasn't at that level of, you know. <laughs> no, I said, no, I don't know. Why <laughs> right. didn't you say something? Well, I felt like using two. Once I saw it, I just said, you know, you said what? I wanted him to say the magic two words. Yeah, the effort, the effort. You said the effort. And then after you did it, you became very upset with yourself. Because there, get, there went four months in your mind, not in my mind, your mind, down the drain. Mm-hmm. And I said, you are an adult, aren't you? Yes, okay. Because if you were a child, a teenager, 14, 15, 16, 17, I could understand this level of thinking that you have. Yeah, true. Okay, this mindset that, that you have. I said, but as an adult, I don't understand it because everyone else in this room has their hand up. and I take responsibility. I should have known better. I chose not to say anything. I chose to use. I'm to blame. It's my fault for my, I'm taking responsibility for my, that's what everybody else was saying, except for this one person. Sure. Sure. By the way, we're purposely not live streaming this show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Two and two could be put together quite easily. Yeah. <clears throat> so along the uh, lines of this other comment about, well, about what makes you guys think that you can have other addicts tell, uh, you know, addicts tell other addicts what to do and, and, and how to do it and, and hold people accountable and so on and so forth. I said, haven't you ever heard of peer pressure? This is the most powerful pressure known to man. Peer pressure it could be positive. It could be negative. You suck them to negative peer pressure. That's right. Okay. And what we're trying to do and create in the family is positive peer pressure to help people change. The only thing we can't do as staff, we can't put you in a headlock and make you want to change and make you want to take those first baby steps. You have to do it on your own. Our job is just to provide the environment, make sure the environment is available, and just be the bumper guards. Right. Keep the family, you know, in line and, and, you know, where it should be. But not to stick our nose into it. And, and do everything for the family. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. If you would have come to me and said, hey, so-and-so has drugs, has, in, his has drugs right in his room right now, that would have been a, a sentinel moment for you in terms of your growth. Very true. Not accepting something. Standing up for something. Taking a stand for the house. But you didn't do that. And then you have the nerve to sit in here 
and want to blame other people for a choice that you made. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do when you're out on the street and you decide to pick up? Who are you going to blame? OCG? The police. The police, the judge, your PO. Mm-hmm. So you're an intellectual, aren't you? What do you mean by that? That you intellectualize everything. Your gut doesn't speak for you. Just your brain speaks. Hmm. Yeah, I've been told that. I said, okay. This type of conversation that we're having here, us five... Is really a gut talk. It's not a brain talk. And that's part of the reason why you're looking outside yourself. You're, you want to blame other people for what you've done. And then you want to state blasphemy in here that 53 years of proof of how the TC works and how it saves lives, you want to now say, well, you know what? I don't think addicts should be uh, in charge. Of, of, of the family and, in char- and running a program it should right. be staff then I had to drop the bomb on them oh man because you know I rarely ever rarely ever say it <laughs> that's right I said I used to be an addict I used to sit right in those chairs that you sit in mm-hmm. so what would you say to me me and my peers Ran the house. Right. We held other quote unquote addicts accountable. We acknowledged walking in that we were all hypocrites. None of us are perfect. We all have the same behavioral issues. Sure. Maybe sure. maybe caused by different things, but we all were guilty of the same behaviors. That's right. But the commitment that we made is that we were going to hold each other accountable. We were going to pull each other up. So I wouldn't feel bad about pulling somebody else up or holding them accountable or dropping a slip on them about something and the person behind me doing the same thing to me on the same subject. Because we, we, we said, walking in the door, we know we're all hypocrites. We're all guilty of, of at some time or another of, of the same behaviors. But the only way we're going to rid ourselves of it is people hold us accountable and point it out. And we own it and we take responsibility for it and we commit to changing it. Mm-hmm. And that means being open. When it's being pointed out, it's not just words. Okay, yeah, I'll be open and I'll listen. No, it means when someone points it out to you, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'll take a look at that and mean it. That's right. That's the big part, too, and that's the key, and mean it. So you're in this room with four other guys that have been rotated back, okay, because of choices you guys made. And I'm trying to find out, am I going to be throwing you guys out very soon, or are you guys going to take, use this as an opportunity? Because that's what this is. It's an opportunity. Because I don't hold the pass against people. So this is an opportunity for you five. Yes, I'm talking to you five. I'm holding you five accountable as a group. Because you're now being dropped back into a different environment. And the question I had 
And the reason why I'm sitting here talking to you guys is because I had to ask myself, wait a second. Are these guys going to now go over there Hmm. and poison that family? Right. Right. So I said, I need to speak to those guys. Yeah, (laughs) ASAP. Have them all sitting in the front area waiting for me. So that's why we're having this conversation. Are you guys going to be on the street or are you going to be adopting or adapting a different attitude, making a different commitment? And the reports I'm going to be hearing back from the staff are you're participating, you you got a positive attitude, et cetera, et cetera. So in that meeting with those five guys, with, with this one that was couldn't grasp because and, – and he admitted at a later date hmm. that he is so far out of touch with his feelings that wow. he just can't – um, I'm using his words. He cannot uh, consider what it would feel like to actually be in touch with them. That's how far out of touch he is with them. But he owned this. He said this yes. to you. Wow. So, so my response to that was, well, once you are aware of it, then you yeah begin the process. It's a different story. It's the person who's totally unaware. That has extreme difficulty, but you are now aware that, you know, you are brain heavy, you're top heavy, okay, and you don't allow your gut to have any room to speak for you, mm-hmm. okay? It is no different than the person on the other extreme that we deal with that is all gut. They're just, you know, their emotions are just out <laughs> there, and right. we're like, dude, you got to start thinking <laughs> <laughs> That's right. before you re- react, Okay. So, and you, you and that other person are just alike. We're trying to get both of y'all to the middle, to that happy medium. Balance, yep. He says, well, I, see, I like when I had this one-on-one talk with staff. I said, but it has nothing to do with staff. Staff are not leaving the program with you. These, one of these or two of these guys in this room might be. This is your peer right here. That's right. Well, I don't, I don't get anything from the family. That's because you don't give anything. You don't share. I don't know what you've been doing for the last four months, but I'm sure you haven't been sharing and talking about your life experiences. On a gut level, anyway. On a gut level. Mm-hmm. Exposing yourself. Who, who, who are you? Who have you been? That's how it starts. I turned out the the unwritten philosophies were behind me. I turned around and pointed to, I said, right there, that one over there, honesty, being honest with yourself as you're sharing with other people. And you will be surprised who you might identify with, who might identify with you. And then this, this, the beginnings of a, of a bond may start. That's right. 
I said, out of 250 people, out of 250 people, there's three, maybe four peers I'm still in contact with. Our peer group was maybe 20, 20 large. But out of that, three or four have lasted where we've stayed in contact and we're spread out all over the country. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So using the math here, if you leave with one or two, you're lucky. I said, but you're not going to get there unless you're willing to open up and share. You're not going to, if you think you're going to do like you were doing in the other, in the other facility, which was basically just doing time, even though, I mean, you're not, you're not sent here, you know, you're not being forced here. You voluntarily came in, but you were basically just doing time. That's it. And, and hoping for a one-on-one because said, I like, I like the one-on-one with, you know, when I have a one-on-one with staff and but I said, so what is it that you're afraid to share with your peers? True. Yeah. What is that about? No, no, no staff person is walking out the door behind you or is going to be out there as a support mechanism for you. That's not going to happen. Right. Exactly. That's a good question to pose to, to pose them too, because it also speaks to the initial question, whether he thought it through or not, but proof that that exists in the mindset how is it supposed to work addicts helping addicts speaks to the level of why he, Oh, I like having the one-on-one with staff. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I'm not really opening up to the peers because in the back of the mind, what good is it for me to talk to any of these other addicts? How are they going to help me when they're addicts themselves? Yeah. it, It shines a light on that mentality that he has. Well, that speaks to, and, and I don't know, I wouldn't say this is something that he is consciously aware of, the person is consciously aware of, but that speaks to that, uh, that intellectualizing. Subconsciously, the person may believe that, well, intellectually, only the staff can provide something to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. When in fact, when in truth, it's only the, your peers and the other addicts, the other addicts, okay, who know other addicts, who know what addicts do and how addicts think <laughs> right. and how they are that can, you know, help. People who aren't addicts can't help. I'm not saying that. But in the TC, there's a reason why he shies away from mm-hmm. the mirror. That's exactly right. Eyes away from the mirror. That is exactly right. So he finds out in the meeting, but I'm your mirror. Also. Mm-hmm. I'm your mirror also. We held a, uh, right after that, I said, I needed to do something that we don't do that often for, for good reason, because you want it to be impactful when you do it and that is we held a gripe session oh i was this i only experienced one in my time in treatment yeah okay yeah we got one one. and um 
I remember my, and I got a chance to air one gripe. <laughs> oh man, are you going to share it? Oh, Let's course, put it on the course. table. What was of the course. gripe? I wasn't getting enough sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that one is quiet. That's as that's as ageless and, as time itself, right I, there. And I think the chief made me clean the house that night too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you more sleep. You want more sleep? I'll give you more sleep. <laughs> oh, um, that's great. Yeah. So, um, so I said. We're going to have a gripe session. This was the next day. I contacted the staff and said, we need to do a gripe session. And the best way to have it is you do a gripe session followed up by an amnesty session. And he said, well, let, why don't we do the gripe session today and then we'll do the amnesty session next week. I said, no, you got to do them back to back. And here's why. The gripe session establishes trust and by the way the only people who can facilitate it are people who don't work at that site that makes sense okay because they won't be you know completely forthcoming forthcoming right. if staff who work there are present because they have gripes against staff and of course gripes against the program and, that's, and you want all the gripes to come out right so i said we do a gripe session that's how you establish trust and you establish that mutual back and forth. And then when you follow, you give them a break, you follow up in an amnesty session, um, you usually get some good information. So we did do a gripe session. You know, they asked, well, how often do you do this? I said, well, look, me personally, I haven't done one since 2009. Okay. So I said, we, we don't do this as often because there are numerous things that we can do in order to refocus the house. Mm-hmm. This is just one tool. Sometimes we might decide to tighten the house up. Right, right. Pull all privileges, privileges get back to basics, refocus. So that's one, you know, there's various tools that we can use, and this is one of them. We don't use it that often, but it's an opportunity. So it was a very good gripe session. Their family liked it. They participated well. Did tell them their gripes were weak (laughs) in comparison to years past. Sure. Because we do have a quote-unquote court reporter who, you know, for gripes that cannot be resolved in the gripe session, we write them down and commit to bringing them back to the family within one week with a resolution or an answer. Mm-hmm. Because there's only one person present facilitating, it and this just ha- it happened to be just me. But it was either going to be me or Larry. Because we were the only two people that can do it. Right, that makes sense. So, at the end of the grad session, there was only three pages, and I had them separate between staff and then program. So program gripes versus sta- gripes, right? And they had you know two pages for staff and one pages for program. That said. Boy, you guys are weak. I said back in the day, it was, it was you like, write a whole eight, book, eight pages for staff and five pages for the program, and was, you know. So I said that's interesting, considering yeah. that yeah. Uh, they're kind of a, a whiny, complaining bunch. I don't know if it's generational. You know, the millennials. Could be. Could you know, be. I, it's, be. it's something about them. I don't know what it is. I haven't put my finger on it yet, but they're just different. And we have to adapt. I mean, that, that this is who they are, and then we do adapt. So 
my the whole point I was trying to make to them. Um, oh, but before we officially started the gripe session, I asked the question to the family: Does everyone in here trust me? And the only one who put their hand up was Sir Blasphemy. That he did trust you. Did not. Oh, did not. Yes. Oh, good. I asked. I wanted to know. Does everyone in here trust me? Someone yeah. said, "Well, I don't. I haven't met you yet." And I said, "I didn't ask you that." Does that I'm asking you. Does everyone in this room trust me? Mm-hmm. And everyone said yes. Except, and then he raised his hand and said, "I don't trust you." I said, "Okay." Then you do not have to say anything. Yeah. I just wanted to establish that in the very beginning. Sure. You, yeah, you do perfect. not force us to say anything. If you don't trust me, you do not have to say anything. And we were recording it for teaching purposes. Okay. So I wanted to let them know, you know, in case they thought, you know, it's there was some other reason. Right. <clears throat> and it was a good experience, I think, for them. Um, and eventually, near the end, this particular person did ask a question, did stand up and participate. As they which, typically do. Which tell you know, which tells me something. So a person like that, and this is where the staff comes in, and we're going to address this in our staff meeting this Thursday, is needs lugs, needs the old-fashioned lugs. The lug drop. The lug drop from, you know, from different people, different angles, etc., to kind of like, it's almost, you know, bumper, we're, we're squeezing the bumpers in on them to get him Get that person involved. Right. Okay. <clears throat> Not pulling them off to the side, giving them one-to-one attention. Dropping them go. Quick one-liner. Drop and go. Drop and go. Drop and go. What? What would you say? No. Drop and go. So um, that'll be one of the things I'll bring up on Thursday, and that that'll be the best way to, because uh, he, I think the person wants, understands what they need, but they just have no idea how to get there, how to get there. So uh, that'll be our role to help them get there. And then hopefully a good ending will be to see a person, see a client, see clients who are on both extremes, whether they're intellectuals or reactors, you know, emotional reactors or ruled by their emotions you start to see them slowly moving towards the middle, you know, coming towards the center mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you start to hear, I said, if you have a conversation with someone, lunch, breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or free time, whatever, and you don't hear yourself say anything about, hey, you know, I felt like this or I felt like that. And it's just all brain. These are my thoughts. Then, you know, you're still doing it because now that you're aware of it, you're now aware of it. You have no reason, no excuse. Yeah, it's not in the subconscious no. anymore. It's no. Just, yeah. The aha moment has passed. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I will say in the amnesty session, nothing, uh, there were no bombs dropped. Nothing that we did not know about. Just a lot of taking responsibility for not saying anything yeah a lot of uh, i knew this happened yes, and i didn't, I didn't say, anything. say anything right right and you know it, it launched me into a long speech about 
you know, well, what do you, what, what would you want your legacy to be? This family. Right. You know, each, each group, you know, kind of has their own legacy. Do you guys want your legacy to be a group of, uh, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll? That's right. Yeah, we, uh, there was a term uh, coined back in the day, Accepticons. Yes. <laughs> yes. Accept, accept, accept. Mm-hmm. And then to uh, <clears throat> be able to t- take the time to explain to them the connection, because this is where they get, kind of get lost. What is the connection to me accepting all of this behavior going on in the house to me and whether or not I'm going to be drug-free out on the streets? Right. Well, that's where staff comes in because it's not our expectation that some, not that clients will always be able to make those connections. So we have our opportunities in morning meeting, evening wrap-up seminars, and et cetera, to help make these connections. Sure. This is this is what this is how you accepting this behavior in the house is going to impact you in the real world. This is the connection. Because oftentimes they do not see they can't they make can, that link. Cannot link it. Right. And <clears throat> it is not entirely their fault because there are other forces working against them that are unrelated to anything that has to do with them. And what I mean by that other forces, meaning that we're not in an era of where you have a large older member pool. Right. Okay. That has used to be big. Yeah. That has experienced, you know, treatment for a period of time, learned over time, learned connections and so on and so forth. And can then, you know, speak pass to, it on, yeah. pass it on, right? In, in in their sharing and talking and dinner time. I'm I'm you always hear me mention about meal time because that's where a lot of it went down for us. Oh yeah, that's how we cornered people because they would try. You know, Your guard is they, down. They would escape another way. I, I got to go over to the wood house, wood, wood shop. I got to go do my job. I'm, I'm gonna landscaping. start cleaning early. <laughs> I got to work in the kitchen. But you know what? You got to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And at one of those three times, we're gonna get you. Right. We're gonna corner you. We're going to pull up at your table, and we're going to politely ask the other four people, hey, can you guys or ladies mind sitting over there? Because so we want to speak to this young man. Yes. This is what we did. (laughs) Yes, perfect. But we made a commitment that we were going to not accept certain things in the house. Sure. Why did we make that commitment? Well, I don't think it's only because you're 175 miles up in the Catskill Mountains. And you have no choice but to say, well, this is my house. Even if you're only going to live there for three months, four months, five months, it's your house. We tell you it's your house. Right. What you allow to happen in your house, that's what the culture is going to be. If it's going to be a positive culture where people are going to be sharing and helping each other and pulling each other up, that's going to be your legacy. If it's going to be a culture of of a subculture, a negative subculture of people – bringing stuff back onto the property, using on the property and violating the sanctity of the TC environment, exposing other people who are trying to do the right thing to, uh, to uh, negative uh, things. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, someone who's got 30 days, 60 days, even 90 days in recovery. Okay. 
is still in an early stage, the first trimester, That's right. as we said a couple of years ago. That is the first stage. Right? Mm-hmm. And so you're still vulnerable in the first trimester. You can be exposed to things that might put you in danger. And so, yeah, if someone drops some meth into the house or drops some crack into the house or drops some whatever into the house, I never get mad at finding out, oh, yeah, so-and-so used so-and-so, blah, 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 because something got dropped into the house. I, that's what addicts do. Sure. Okay. I want to know who brought it in. That's right. That's the person I have a problem with. Because I haven't heard a very good reason yet for why someone would bring it on. Bring it back. Bring it back. As opposed to if they want to get high, just getting loaded wherever they got it. Get high. You're not ready. I can respect that. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But what would be the reason why you would want to endanger other people? Or not at least respect the environment enough to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not ready. I'm going to, you know, do what I do, but I'm going to have enough respect for the environment, OCG, and others that I'm not going to poison that environment like that. Right. At least the others, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, whatever, OCG is not taking it personally, and you may not yeah. give two shoots about OCG. Right. But, you know, at least whoever, a peer that you might have bonded with, your big brother, someone who you get along with in the pro like, wow, I don't want to put this person in harm's way. Well, while we're on the subject, I know we're getting close to the top of the hour. Yes. But I I think I got to add the other thing. I think for years, even dating back to... Are you about to add it right now? Yes. Why don't we take a quick little one-minute commercial break Sure. add it on the other end? I'm just going to take a quick little music break for y'all, and then, see, this is what's Commercial called break. a tease mm-hmm. in, uh, in the media world, right? Yep. So uh, we'll be back with that one little tidbit after the commercial break. You hear that? What you won't do, you do for love. You'll try anything, but you won't give up. That's the attitude you need to have in recovery. You've got to love or learn to love yourself first. You've got to be willing to try anything that will help you succeed. And most importantly, you can never give up. Visit us at ocgworks.org. OCG, where hope grows. What you won't do, do for love. You try everything, but you don't give up. In my world, 
Okay, welcome back to Roach on Recovery. Um, as we're uh, recovering from the blasphemy, <laughs> the train's back on the track. Of last week. <clears throat> I got three things to wrap up with. Great. So one is, historically, you know, whenever, whenever we've had... Um, sexual acting out behavior in the residential facility. Meaning the actual behaviors happening in, in the facility, yeah. not just with two people in the facility outside. Right, somewhere. right, right. In okay. the facility, right. Yeah. Um, obviously, it takes two to tango. Um, but the women have always been in the minority in terms of numbers. Mm-hmm. And I mean extreme minorities. Remember at Swan Lake, it was 250 people, but 190 men, 60 women. Right. So, what's that? Three to one. Oh yeah, just right. about. And and here we're twenty four to eight. And there's another three to one for you. Right. So. But one, whenever there was that behavior in the in the facility, more often than not, significantly more often than not, the initiator was the male resident. Right. Okay. But in the last six or nine months, there's been a change. There sure has. Okay. And it has made it very difficult to um, challenge and address the behavior because when you when you have just one initiator, okay, and then you have, quote, unquote, one weak party who's, you know, Overcome by the initiator. You got okay. the you got the wolf and, and the sheep. sheep. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> right. There you go. Good good analogy. You focus on the wolf. You focus on the wolf, right? But when you got a wolf, uh, an alpha wolf, and, a, and what do you call the female alpha? A beta wolf. A beta wolf <laughs> <laughs> over here. You don't uh, know which wolf to focus on. Exactly. They they make it almost impossible to 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 try and you know it's like cat and mouse, cat and mouse. Right. So and that's what you know. That's what we got. And, and we're, you know, we are figuring it out and putting things in place to, but I had to say to them, we never had to worry about focusing on both sides. You know what I'm saying? Because right. there was usually the, like you said, we had to focus on the wolves and then tell the sheep, you guys got to act like a herd. Don't let anyone in there. And if there's a weak one in the herd, like you got, you know, like the lion's looking for the weak gazelle and, and you know, or, or the weak calf in the herd, you know, you, you circle, circle around her and say, no, y'all not getting in here. That's what y'all got to do. Right. But if you got the, the lead one or one of the leads, you know, opening the door, letting them in, you know, and, right. you know, setting the candles out and all that stuff and, you know, and or leaving the breadcrumb trails for them to, <laughs> right. to get in there. Right. I mean, what are you supposed to do with that? So, yeah, I had a meeting with the women also. <laughs> had a lot of meetings last week. Meetings were happening. Yeah, man. And I said, told them, I said, no, nah, y'all got to, y'all, y'all have to be impenetrable. You cannot let, you know, the, the nature of society is no different than inside this facility that guys will pick up on weakness. Exploit it. Exploit it and go after it. Mm-hmm. And... Y'all have to be, I don't care if behind closed doors, y'all fight like cats and mouse, but on, you know, dogs and cats, 
But when y'all come out on the floor, it's y'all come out as a unit, as a herd, and nobody can penetrate that. That's right. I said that's the only way that it's going to work. If y'all say, "Well, no, we're gonna we're gonna be part and parcel to the uh, sexual acting out," meaning we're gonna be unlocking <laughs> the doors, unlocking right. the screens, leaving the bre- the breadcrumb trails and and whatnot, and say, "So, what's the legacy gonna be?" So I left them with, wow, I really have to think about whether or not OCG, because if that's the way it's going to be, there's nothing that we can do. We're not, we're, we're not going to turn our facility into a, a prison. Right. Okay, we're not going to lock every, I mean, I mean, lock every single possible door and put alarms and motion sensors. Not doing that. Not going there. We, 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 we went there with the adolescent facility. And it was an ugly point, time, let me tell you. To a point that we we didn't realize it at the time as we were living it, but that we we were, you know, like um, psychologically harming our own selves. Yeah. You know, we're thinking that we're doing treatment when all we are, we were just extent, an extension of juvenile hall. Right. So I said, no, nah, I'm not going there. Not going there this time. So. We were just short of replacing the orange tree with a sniper tower. That's the only thing I was missing was a tower. Yeah. So I said, either you guys are going to um, help not allow that to occur, or this group, the legacy of this group, that you will be the last group of women that we serve. And we go to a single-sex facility, you know, treatment program. Right. Like everybody else, we're the, we, we are the sole last residential program in probably the, the three or four counties around us right that are still co-ed so and we know why okay but we hold firm to our belief that there's a benefit to having men and women in the facility and learning from each other and you know being exposed to each other learning how to have self-control and self-discipline and so on, so on, so on. Mm-hmm. We have a firm belief in that. But there comes a point where, you know, the, 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 the balance goes flipped. You know, if you're going to have, if you're going to have the, the sheep all of a sudden yeah. <laughs> mailing yeah. out in, invitations to the wolf, you know what? And leaving the barn, you know, the, the barn right. door open. Right. Like, How the hell are we going to fight this? Exactly. So I had to drop something on them also. And their eyes were like as wide as saucers when I said that. I said, is that what you want your legacy to be? That you're going to be the last group of women we serve? And, that, and the, shh, that's reality. Yeah. That's reality. Um, because I'm not having that. I'm not having, you know, that nonsense going on. No. Facility. Yeah, no, no. There, There's no way. And it, the, the essence of the TC, like with everything in life, we, we're talking about balance in the show and the essence of the TC that has to exist too, because we're, we're not having uh, infrared laser motion sensors put outside yeah. every window. And you might as well just give the staff badge and pepper spray that's on a it. belt. Like, no, no, that's not I how tr- treatment takes place. I tried to explain to them. I said, one of the benefits of having male and females in the facility is what's actually supposed to happen if you are, if you're mature and responsible, but that obviously is not the case. And I understand that it's also a different era. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But in my era, when going through treatment, you could 
talk to the women in the house about, hey, how are we supposed to conduct ourselves as men in a relationship? In right. terms of how do we talk? How do we behave? How do we, you know what I'm saying? And that's such a huge benefit. Such a huge benefit mm-hmm. to have because this, you're going to go back and, and we touch on this maybe once a show because it, 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 there is that connection there. Mm-hmm. You're going to go back into the real world and to have, yeah, you know, like men and women. So if you're a, a guy to have women at your disposal to be able to bounce these things off of and, and, and establish relationships in a healthy way on that kind of level is invaluable. And all of them say, yeah, I'm a, I, I had terrible relationships. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Said, okay, so, uh, you know, a female can maybe talk to a male, a mature, responsible male about certain things and vice versa. There's only certain information you can get from a man and only certain information you can get from a woman. That's right. But there has to be maturity mm-hmm. and responsibility. And if that doesn't exist, then it can't happen. And like you just said, you'd be hard-pressed to find any male resident coming into the program who does not state, I've got female issues. Mm -hmm. Or any female client coming in not stating, i got got, male issues. i got got to interrupt you. Mm Because right off the bat, whenever I hear a a guy say, i got female issues, i got to stop them right in their tracks and say, wait a second. Say, wait, what did you just say? I said, I got female issues. I said, no, you don't have female issues. I said, because when you say you have female issues, you are automatically placing the issue on the female. Sure, sure. I said, you have issues with how you deal with females. There you go. Right. So let's get it straight how you actually word it. So, oh, okay, I got it. I can uh-huh. understand. Right. Don't say I got female issues. Like the female <laughs> is the issue. Right, exactly. You're the issue. Right. Mm. And here is the perfect environment for you. Oh, Let's work on the way that that Mm -hmm. interaction takes place. And boy, the amount you could learn, like you said, with the certain level of maturity and being able to, uh, you know, like uh, maybe have a a woman who's in treatment with you, pay you a compliment without you losing your mind. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, okay, we're actually learning how to interact with one another and that's appropriate. That's okay. Right. Um, Tell the women. Well, I know we're past the top of the hour, but I'm going to continue anyway. You ought to. Um, I said, you know, back in the day uh, at Swan Lake, we did – one thing we hated was when there was a female chief. Oh, not they make be, good chiefs. Not because of any gender discrimination, okay? And I didn't learn this until I went into the staff training program, and, and I laughed so hard and, and, and then used it. <laughs> To my mm-hmm. advantage, mm-hmm. but the women came in and they had stuff for men because of how they b- were treated. Okay, and I always say the the women coming into treatment had significantly more trauma walking in the door than men. That's okay. just a fact. Yeah, sure. Okay, and as a result, they had shit for men. Okay, <laughs> don't have to worry about the F- FCC. Right, okay. right, right. Um. And so when they would put one of those women as chief <laughs> with 190 men. Right, and go ahead and not be on top of your job during job oh functions. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. And so when I became a staff trainee, I knew who the women were that had stuff for men. Yeah. Okay. And would say, okay, that's what I want as my chief. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. 
the That's other right. the other thing was they stopped doing this after about four months. I thought it was now four months. But if you did something that was very disrespectful to one of the women in the house, mm-hmm. they would put you in the room, center chair, one of the office chairs that spin around, center chair with about 15 other women. And they would pick the, 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 the most volatile women in the house. And they would give you a group haircut. But they would be in a circle, and you'd be center in the in the chair in the center of the room. Ooh, yeah, and wow. You base and they would purposely pick a spinning chair that you could office chair that you could spin around in. <laughs> oh yeah, um, you could roast marshmallows under and, that and, chair. And basically, what they were doing is they were just allowing the women to get the energy out and uh-huh. on, on on quote unquote on a, on a man. So it was almost like the gestalt thing of projecting right. onto this person. Sure. Okay. So, but they stopped that after about four months. So, why doesn't staff take a more active role in the therapeutic community? Because their job is to be hands off in order for the TC to work, not hands on. Yep. And I think that's my uh, toughest thing to to get staff to understand is your hands off, eyes and ears on. Eyes and ears on, but hands off, right? And allow the hierarchy and the TC to do its magic, right? But my eyes and ears are on, so I know what's going on. And who better, who better than another addict, to tell you, an addict, what you need to do to get your act together? Tell you when you're not behaving and, and conducting yourself accordingly, mm-hmm. pulling your covers pulling you up, holding you accountable. Who else was your mirror? That was the beauty of the TC when it was conceptualized. That that premise, that idea, it's in the philosophy. Your mirror, right? Uh, you try to avoid that when you're doing things that bring you here your entire life. And guess what? You're now dropped into a situation where you're staring at 25 of them in the face and you cannot dodge them. Which I think is at the root of the person that we were talking about earlier, um, wanting to avoid and only deal with certain people. Yep. I think that's what at the root of it. That would make sense. So we the people, we the family, uh, are always going to rule in the TC. The family will always rule. And I hope I never hear another preposterous, blasphemous <laughs> statement like that again. That's all I got. Well said. Well enough said. We uh, do see we've got some callers on the other line. We went a little past the top of the hour, but uh was great information given today. Hope you all appreciated that. We're going to take a music break and get to our recovery support time segment on the other side. So hang with us.
Coming up next is OCG Radio's Recovery Support Time, where our hosts provide support and guidance for your recovery-related questions and issues. Recovery Support Time, where it's our time to help you.
Wow. I gave the producer a head fake. The head fake. I jumped in the – he got me in the air. That's it. He's on the foul line for three. That's it. Unbelievable. All right. We got some uh, some heavy X-File questions. Not sure if we got the answers to some of these, <laughs> to be honest. We'll do what we can. All right. <clears throat> Lawrence from Salinas. Is it possible to stay in a relationship with someone I used with now that we are both sober? Oh, wow. Mm. That's a, mm, mm, mm. This is a tough one. That's a good question. I think it's... So, I mean, I, I'm not into uh, breaking up relationships. Um, and I am aware of some successful relationships of people who are in similar circumstance um, and have successfully gone on and resumed their relationship on a different level. So I would I would have to go back with my original, you know, since if, they, if they've cleaned themselves up and uh, have addressed their their issues independently and then have come back together. Um, to me, it's always worth a shot. Always worth a shot. Erica from San Francisco. Is it a good idea to have someone that's in a program with you as a support system, but of a, of a different gender? So she wants to know, it's okay to have a person of the opposite sex as a support person. doesn't make a difference. Of course it is. The question is whether or not, if you all are in a program right now, whether or not it's being done with maturity and responsibility. That's right. There's no uh, gender assignment for a support person. No. Uh, yeah, right. Absolutely doesn't have to be not. males with males and females with females. Um, no name, no town. When do I get my feelings back? Oh, wait, that's not the end of it. When, <laughs> that's a, that's, that's just, heavy right there. That's just, just the first half of the question. <laughs> Man, when do I get my feelings back? When will I be able to fall in love again? Oh my gosh. So I might just start crying right now <laughs> on air. <laughs> um, when I was in my uh, audition to become a staff trainee, a question was put on the floor. What does anhedonia, A-N-H-E-D-O-N-I-A, I think that's how it's spelled, anhedonia mean? Acts by Ben Quabus. Mm -hmm. It just so happened. I don't know why. I don't know where. I don't know how it happened. I was just reading about it in the Swan Lake living room. Wow. Okay. What anhedonia is. And I put my hand up and said anhedonia is a person who is incapable, when a person is incapable of experiencing pleasure. Usually persons who with extreme cocaine addiction, are afflicted with that. Sometimes it's permanent. 
sometimes it's not. It wears kind of, you know, as they come out of the addiction in time, you know, in time, it wears off. At which point he looked at you and said, who the hell are you? How the hell did you know that? <laughs> How did you I, know I, that? I, I, had to, I had to cop. <laughs> I just read about it. I didn't know you was going to ask. It was just weird. But <clears throat> I wonder if that's what this person is suffering from, anhedonia. Hmm. At at some point in time, all addicts suffer from it anyway. While you're in your addiction, shortly thereafter, until your feelings come back. And remember we said before, when they come back, they come back. Full force. Big time. Yes. Okay. And then people get thrown for a loop. I'm overwhelmed, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. You'll be able to fall in love again when you fall in love. Right. That's the only answer I can give to that. When people say in recovery, though, the, the early stages, first trimester, second trimester, I, I, I can't feel my feelings. I'm, I'm not in touch with my feelings. Other than wanting to give them a punch in the nose, okay? <laughs> because what, cause what we know from experience, what that is, is just resistance. Right. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to yeah, go there. Right, right. I don't want to go there. I don't want to touch it. And so I'm, you're just letting me know you're throwing the first the first, you know, the first bullet out there to, to, to keep me back. <laughs> right, exactly. They ain't going to stop us. Why do I feel so depressed when becoming sober from alcohol? So we know alcohol is a depressant, mm-hmm. which usually goes against what people think. Yeah. Because, you know, you get the warm and fuzzies. The liquid courage and all of that. Mm-hmm. But pay attention to when it starts to wear off. You know, that down, that down slope. Right. Okay. So if you are in recovery from alcohol, it would make sense that you would experience that. You know, that, that, period of depression while you're in that, that, that I would say that first 90 day period yeah. that come down period, even though you're not up from anything, but just that, that with, when you're getting off of it, alcohol is a weird drug. That's, I, I always tell people in my personal opinion, it's the worst drug of them all. Sure. Sure. Nothing does more damage, even though meth is, is like, you know, it's, meth is like two, two, Horse length behind, but coming up hard. You know, <laughs> right, but, right. But alcohol is going strong. American Pharaoh, that's what alcohol is. <laughs> All right. Advertised every day on TV. But it's normal, what he's talking about, when feeling depressed, when becoming sober. I don't know what that phrase means, when becoming, so I don't know if it's early stages of recovery or not. And then, real quick before we go to the phones, why do drug addicts lack the ability to be honest? Because inherent is being dishonest with oneself. Very rare is it that the addict comes to the conclusion themselves that they have issues, they have problems. Consciously. There's a subconscious awareness sometimes. Mm -hmm. But standing in front of a mirror, very rare. Usually 
someone from the an exterior person tells you something that even though you're subconsciously already aware, it now brings it into the conscious. Right, right. I hope that makes sense. To Ethan from Daily City, welcome to the show. Hi. Um, I was wondering, I'm in, as you guys are calling it, the first trimester of my recovery, maybe going on the second, and um, I'm just feeling kind of blah and a little... Like you were saying, getting back in touch with your feelings, you feel overwhelmed mm-hmm. um, and kind of fatigued. And I'm just, uh, I'm wondering how long that'll keep going on for until, you know, I'm trying to, you know, work. I'm in recovery, so I'm trying to, you know, stay. In, what what drugs are you coming off of? Uh, amphetamine and alcohol, mainly. Okay. So if you were listening to us, you you put the the two the top two worst ones together. Yeah. <laughs> so to answer your question, no, it's not gonna it's not gonna be a long time before you you turn that corner. But yes, right. in that first trimester period, you're going to be uncomfortable because your body's trying to get back in rhythm. Get back your, you know, your sleep. Get back into a normal pattern. Your nutrition and diet. Get back into some normal semblance of, uh, of three meals a day, and and you know, you know what I'm saying. Opposite yeah. to everything that we were doing when we were out there. Right. So, if you're in the midst or coming up on the the tail end of that first trimester, that that first three month period of the recovery process, yeah, about and you know. Then you're 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 about to experience, you're about to feel, the goodness, of all of that those toxins leaving your system, and everything starting mm-hmm. to come back into balance. It'll be it, it'll you know, be very noticeable. Um, I'm still I'm still taking uh, methadone. Okay. So I'm thinking maybe that might have something to do with it, but I'm still, you know, I I feel a lot better than I have. Than I had, obviously, um, mm-hmm. but I'm still, you know, feeling just blah. And you know, I see everybody else. I feel like everybody else is feeling differently than than I. Do. What do you What are you dosing at? Uh, today I just went down to 96, but I was at 100. Okay. So two milligrams. I think at, uh, every are, other week. Are you on a Are you on a taper, or you just went down just for one reason? Uh, one reason. No, I'm on a taper. Two milligrams okay. Every other week. okay. How long have you been on the methadone? I would say five years. Okay. So that is playing a part in in this whole picture. Yeah. And so that may impact um your what we said earlier because methadone adds something into the equation, and the fact that you're tapering. Okay, as your body is adapting and adjusting to the to the to the taper, okay, you might experience the blahs. Okay. And the best thing for you to do, my best advice always to people who are on methadone is do not taper too fast. Right. That's that's why I'm going at small okay. milligrams. Right. Um, but so that it, the body has time to adapt. 
and adjust and so the, it mitigates the, the, the you know the impact that you're going to feel. Yeah. So would you recommend maybe I know you're not a doctor or anything, but maybe like one milligram a week rather than two every other week? Actually, that's the same math-wise. Yeah, yeah. Um, but maybe I won't feel, you know, uh, so blah. I, I think at that at that level, uh, when you're just dealing with two milligrams, I, I think that's about the lowest um, taper. So if you if if the blahs have anything to do with that, that's um, we're just saying if, okay? Yeah. No one's for certain, but let's say it does have something to do with that. I don't think even changing it to one is going to change the if the if if the blahs are associated with the methadone. You follow what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. It's just you being able to okay, so this may have something to do with it, but is it something that I can deal with and tolerate as I taper off this simultaneously to my body readjusting to being off of alcohol, being off of, of methamphetamines, et cetera? While in intensive recovery. Uh, yes. Program. Yeah. A lot of things going on. Yeah. Okay. Already. Thank Stick you. with it. Stick with it. Will do. All right. All right. Bye-bye. So that's a common thing mm-hmm. in today's mm-hmm. environment of treatment um, that we deal with. That's right. Um, people being on medication-assisted treatment, methadone and other types, types of things that um, kind of throw our trimester clocks off, if you will. Because if he didn't mention that, that, oh, by the way, I'm also tapering off of methadone, we would have been full 100%. Yeah, in about 15, a couple more weeks, you're going to be home free. Right. You're going to be really feeling much better. You're going to be noticeable difference. But you add the methanol in there, that's a different that's story. A different, right, exactly. Yeah, because you're still introducing a substance to your body. Yeah. Uh, granted, it's what's needed. It's the right thing to do. This is what we need for you to you know, get through your recovery. Mm-hmm. But so the trimesters might be your timeline might be a little more unique Extended. because of that situation. Yeah. All right. Let's go to Joaquin from South San Francisco. Welcome to the show. How's it going, Orville? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm definitely feeling a lot better. Um, I noticed that there are a handful of people that I know that are on methadone and I feel like that they're, abusing being on methadone, kind of like switching it instead of using drugs, they're using methadone so they can keep using while they're supposed to be recovering. And I really, mm-hmm. I, I for myself don't get that. And another thing is um, I've I've been doing, when I was on the streets, I was doing coke, molly, ecstasy, weed, and alcohol. And that I remember you talking about, like, uh, that one word that you were talking about earlier. What was that? We said a number of things, so it's hard to but keep going. We'll, we'll, we'll try and remember what it was. 
Okay, so it's like uh, lack of energy and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. it's it's hard still. Like I was a year, I had a year and three months sober under my belt until mm-hmm. I relapsed seven months ago, mm-hmm. and I still don't feel like having that energy. Like I still, I don't know when is the breaking point of like having like a regular normal sleeping pattern, having energy, being energetic, outgoing, and like is there like a, do you think there's like like a certain time limit on that, or is it just constantly well, like, practicing? Let me ask you this, <clears throat> and I'm going to preface what I'm saying with our disclaimer. Neither one of us are doctors, okay? Yes. But have you considered, when's the last time you had a physical? A physical about four months ago. And did you tell your doctor this? Oh, yeah, definitely. I've told um, the doctor at Chope Hospital, and I told uh, my what did, And what did, what did they say? What was their opinion? Well, my therapist thinks I should just up on my medication, so go up and... No, so uh, what, did the, no what did the medical doctor say? What was, what was their opinion? Was their opinion was to practice like having like a routine every day, which okay. is very hard to do. Here's the reason why I asked that question, because what you described after being in re- you know in in, in recovery the length of time that you've been in recovery so far, and you're still kind of feeling physically. You know, not 100%. That's why I was very curious as to what your doctor might say, because I'm wondering if there's a physical thing going on. It has nothing to do with any side effect from any, you know, drugs that you used when you was out there. The other thing that I want you to look at, and this is where I say I'm not a doctor. It's just something for you to think about and look into, investigate, ask questions about. Okay. What is the possible side effects of any medication that you are taking? Yeah. <laughs> My mom told me that too. She says any type of medication you always Moms are smart. Moms are smart. Moms are smart. You have to look into that and see if that is what's playing a part in how you are feeling physically. That this, the medication, I mean, you know, so you got one person saying, well, maybe you need to take more, you know, and maybe the, and maybe, I'm just saying maybe, I don't know, I'm not a doctor. Maybe it's that, wait a second, the side effect of this medication maybe is what the problem is, and I may have to look at, you know, hey, can I go down a little bit and see if that has a positive effect on me physically? It's just a, something to look into, think about, investigate. Okay. I'm just saying. Yeah, definitely. I'll definitely be looking into that. Oh my goodness, I don't know why I let that slide by. Uh, the second one, the, the, the second question I have, this is related to recovery, is um having a, a sobriety date, right? For like uh, NA, you know, like just 
drugs, even though alcohol is a drug. But is there like, um, like say like I stopped using alcohol, uh, 2014. And the last time I smoked weed was in 2015. Could mm-hmm. I go by, like, different dates, or is it just the last time I used period? I'm going to have to ask you a question first. Why is this important to you? Well, because I hear people, like, share in, like, groups and stuff, and it kind of, like, irks my nerves. Like, I really think that it's all together in one, like, the last time you used, you know, is, is, well, is, you can, seems different for me. Okay. So what, uh, what you can do is similar to what I do, which is devalue the count. When someone asks you, hey, how, hey, how long how, how long have you been clean? How long, you know, when's the last time you used or what's your sobriety date? You know what? I don't even keep track. Because I'm too busy living. Yeah, because some people they, because I know that they, like, people the, people who are fixated on that. People who are fixated on I got one year, I got five years, I got ten years. This is my date, and so on and so forth. Okay. This is just my personal opinion. Okay. Yeah. If they if they're really fixated on it, that's not healthy. Okay. Because you should just be living. Doing your thing. And, and yes, we may remember our anniversary date, the last day we drank, the last day we used drugs, the last day we did this, etc. And we may have a silent acknowledgement to ourselves that, yep, I remember this date five years ago, two years ago, ten years ago. And that's it. But whatever, whatever importance you give, it, give to it is as important relative to the impact that it's going to have on you mentally. Yeah. So for I would advise you, don't worry about it. Who cares? What difference does it make? Well, because the part that, like, frustrates me the most is, like, I know when the time they last use, but the they're going back further. So when somebody asks them, what was the last time you used? Oh, a year ago. That was the last time you drank. What was the last time you used? But they're going off a different date just so it sounds like they got a much longer time under their belt. Yeah, that's that well. Irks my you, can, <laughs> you can you can't fool you can't fool yourself, so that's just game playing. Mhm. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's definitely definitely something so small but I tend to blow little small things and get angry nah, about that, blow it out of proportion. Get busy living, and you won't even be thinking about it. All right. I heard All that. Right. Yes, sir. All right. All right. I appreciate your time. All right. Same here. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. How are we on time, sir? Oh, we're good. We got about 10 minutes. Okay. All right. Let's go to Kim from San Francisco. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be on. Oh, the hold Kim? That's right. Oh, okay. Pleasure hello, to have hello. you. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. 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 I have a uh, – let, let me um, ask a question. I had a question on set, but I don't think uh, 
I want to ask that. I want to ask something more important. Do you mind? No, go ahead. Okay, thank you. Let's say I have 16 months sobriety, 16 months, and I get family to come over, and I have, I have tools everywhere. I have tools from some of every meeting that I've, uh, I've been a part of, and I have family over, and we end up shooting pool, and a bud light is in front of me, and I really want some bud light. When I reach in my toolbox, which one of the first tools should I grab? Because if I think about a meeting, I can't go because I have company. Give me a little help on that, if you don't mind, please. Okay. So the first question, if you are in any environment and the feeling, thought, desire to use is e- either comes upon you or the thing and you so let's let's use the budweiser comes before you which then brings up a lot of stuff the if if it brings up the feeling or desire the first thing that has to happen is a question to yourself one second why am i feeling this way why do I feel like I need to have this drink? What's going on? Makes sense. Okay. So what people don't do is they don't give themselves that time to take a step back and ask that introspective question. What's going on? Why do I feel this way? Why is it impacting me like this? Instead, often or too many times, they act off an of impulse. Or they say those two magic words, F it, and just boom, do it. Or say I have to go to a meeting and on the way to the car decide, okay, forget it, I'll have it. I never thought about that. Why am I feeling this way? What what give me this thought? Excellent. And you got to reach down deep to get that answer. Right. Okay, thank you. And you mind if I ask you one more question, if you don't mind, please? Sure. How much time we got, Mr. Producer? About six minutes. Okay, go ahead, sir. Okay, let's say, let's say uh, I feel that I don't think I'll ever encounter that. But if so, do you think how how important is it really to have a sponsor? And if so, what do you look for? Do you look for? I know it's it's supposed to be the same sex. I don't know the age limit. I I have. What do you look for in a sponsor? Well, first let me just blow one thing out of the water real quick. I don't know where this came. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's a rule. I don't have no idea. You're uh, anybody. Anybody who is interested in supporting your recovery can be your sponsor. Anyone? Anyone that is interested in supporting your recovery can be your sponsor. Male, female, doesn't make a difference. Okay. 
Okay. I was led to believe that it should be someone with multiple years of sobriety and and so on. It it should be someone that obviously is leading a lifestyle, a positive, constructive lifestyle that's a role model for you. Uh, yes, absolutely. But they don't have to be a there, – there, there is no certification for someone to become a sponsor. It can be anyone who's interested in supporting you. It could be an uncle. It could be a, another family member. It's, you know what I'm saying? Who's interested in supporting you in your recovery walk? Thank you very much. I Okay. I've, I've been led to believe something different, like as far as it should be a, someone with multiple years of sobriety and someone that I can relate to that actually drink as much as I drink. Okay. Thank you very well, much. Well, let me just ask you a quick question on just uh-huh. on when you think about it for a second. Yes. Let's say the person who is someone who is in your corner supporting you in your recovery walk, they're leading a positive and constructive life. They've never uh-huh. drank. They've never right. drank. Okay, so they can't identify with what it's like to drink and and become an alcoholic and and get into recovery. Okay? Uh-huh. But other than that, they're easy to talk to. You have no problem sharing with them. Okay? You can be real with them, you can be honest with them, they can be honest with you, they can pull you up, they can they can tell you the truth when when you need to hear the truth, etc., etc., etc. But the only thing is they've never drank. Or they're not an alcoholic. They were never an alcoholic. Perfect. That doesn't stop them from being your 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 support person, your sponsor person. Perfect. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you very much. That is, I really appreciate that. Now, that is more than helpful. All right, sir. Wow. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. I'm glad we can help them. Sometimes it's just a little bit of information. It goes a long way. I'm sure... What's happening is if the person is involved in the 12-step arena, mm-hmm. that this is what may be being filtered down sure. to him. And, of course, that's not um, that's not the way we roll. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. no, no. We, I don't think you should limit. You can limit your, you know, limit your sphere of, of who you might choose to be. Your the your main support person that's going to be in your corner. It has to be a particular job description. Right. No. That you yeah. That's mean? that's not a that's not a bubble you're looking to decrease in size. You right. want to cast a wide net. Right. For for that, if it comes down to your support and like you said, and obviously, yeah, you don't want you know maybe a friend who day one is entering recovery and is down to support <laughs> you. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably not your best bet somebody who has some sort of grasp on the world of recovery and what it means and has demonstrated that in his or her own life but then yes is interested in being a support for you mm-hmm. that's that's it man a lot of times it's somebody who 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 knows you and knows you so well you can't fool them yeah 
Exactly. And 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 the relationship is going to be nothing but honesty back and you know going both ways. They know when you're fall you know you're falling off the wrong side of the of the boat, so mm-hmm. to speak, mm-hmm. um, etc. So that's just the way I look at it. True enough. No, I think that's good. All right, let me hit back the X Files. How much time we got? Uh, you got about two minutes. Okay, good. Um, there was a good one mixed in here. You already hit us with a couple of hard no, ones, no, man. No, no, Let's no. take an easy one. No, no, no. There was a... Oh, here it is. Uh, Chris C. from Wyoming. I'm kind of new in a program, and I think I have a crush on my counselor. Is it okay if I pursue... I'm, I can't believe I'm reading this. Is it okay if I pursue those feelings now? It's a question mark. Or maybe later with a question mark. Now, we committed... Just for for everyone's sake, sometimes Mr. Producer and I, prior to the show, go back and forth over whether or not certain questions we should ask. But we committed that if someone submits it, we'll ask it. That that was the agenda I pushed. Yeah. I'm pretty pro taking taking, taking any, any anything and everything. <laughs> I say go ahead and pursue it now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just let's go. You're wasting time, man. This this could be meant to be. Yeah. No, um, yeah, no, that's, uh, you know what, the silver lining here, good that you're aware of it and that yeah. you're, you're putting it out there. You're honest about it because that is definitely going to, uh, dictate or have an impact on the therapeutic relationship and what you might gain from that. Um, if you're honest about that with the program that you're at or with the counselor, they can refer you to somebody else. So there's not a, a distraction there while you're trying to get what you're there for in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so being aware of it and, and putting it out there is a good thing. I would say one of the ways we used to counteract that. And one of the ways we were taught in our training to counteract that just hire ugly counselors. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to tell my caseload, and as people came on, that you're not going to like me for about the first two months. Oh, good. Because I'm not interested in being anybody's friend. Um, and I think everyone should take that approach mm-hmm. and, and, and be sensitive enough to know if someone is looking at you crossways. Right. Okay. And know how to nip that in the bud real quickly right. through your behavior your actions, your demeanor, and so on. So I'm not saying you have to be mean and, 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 and disrespectful or anything like that, but there's ways of taking it out of somebody's belly. You know what right. I'm saying? That anything would ever be possible. That, and that, you know, that this is just a, a, a distraction focus, not, right. you know, the, uh, okay. and more often than not, that's what it is. It's, you know, I want to focus on anything other than but, but me. Exactly. Okay. And you got to rip that out of their belly real quick. And they feel... And like you said, not mean, but immediately felt, oh, there's a clear professional boundary exactly. set right now. Right. Boom. And that wall is impenetrable and, you know, this is what you're going to get. That's it. So they get that message sent and that there's no way to get around it. So that's what we would tell Chris from, <laughs> from Wyoming. What, what Wyoming. is going on out there in Wyoming? <laughs> There's only about four people that live there. That's, that's perfect. All right. Well, that's it. That's all the time you got. So you want to you wanna wrap it up? Say your piece? 
No, let's just remind our listeners uh, during our off week to uh, visit our archives. That's right. So that's it. Perfect. Well, again, uh, great show. We thank everybody who called in to participate or called in just to listen. Uh, we always thank everyone for the ongoing support and do appreciate it. Uh, as the host said in our off week next week, if you're craving a little Roadshawn recovery, we got plenty of shows in the archives. And we will look forward to getting back on the air two weeks from now for another great topic and another great show. We wish everybody a safe couple of weeks and fun couple of weekends, and we will catch you all mid-August.
That's our show for this evening. Thank you for listening. Be sure to listen to our next broadcast Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Like us, friend us, and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash OCGWorkCA and on Twitter at OCGWorkCA. You can listen to podcasts of all our shows on iTunes under Roach on Recovery or on our Blog Talk Radio homepage. This has been a presentation of OCG Recovery Radio. Until then, baby, are you gonna let me?